Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I have Haley Young joining me. And this is Hello. really fun because Haley, we have known each other for decades, right? Like like with an S on the end, like decades. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's been since 2006, maybe. It's kind of awesome when you have like OG friends like this because we like we always ran around in like the same kind of like scene forever, like going out to like, I feel like for a while it was like mafiosos, like every Tuesday night. And then it was like Tin Roof. And then Cadillac 3 was a huge band, but they were like bang, bang, bang. And then your yes, husband, you. Ricky Young, who's in the Wild Feathers now, is like, yes. he was always playing shows. And my husband, Michael, and his band, A Thousand Horses, like there's this whole, it was kind of like this rocker scene that was happening, right? Oh, absolutely. And we were there, front and, row. <laughs> and I just like, cause I had fallen in love with Michael and he was 21 and I was 24 and like, are you older than Ricky or is no. he older than you? He's just a year older. So he's just a year older. So, um, the funny story about Michael is he used to call me mama. And I'm sorry, I'm not like that much older than him. No, I think I'm older than you. I think I'm older than you, Haley. I just turned 38. Yeah, I'm 37. So (laughs) I was like, Michael, but I guess it's because I was dating Ricky. And when I met Michael, because they just moved in town, and, um, my other good friend was dating one of his best friends. So I think when we just met, I don't know if we just were, just, he thought we were so much older, probably because I was, 
I've lost a little bit of my Southern twang. And so I think I was always trying to like herd the people and make sure that they're okay. And so he just thought I was just like, he always called me, oh, there's mama. And also you're like probably one of the only responsible ones in the crew who has a real job. You're a nurse. Let's talk about that. Where all these like just wild hellion musicians. I mean, just how did you deal with that? Like they're just out of control. They're so fun and it's so much fun. But like they were just, could not be tamed. And I think that's what was alluring about it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It was a complete opposite of what I was dealing with in such a structured environment. And um, yeah, there was many nights that I was out and then would have to go into work, you know, at 6.30 a.m. and be there for 12-hour shifts. And I was also working night shift a lot too. So that kind of worked out when I first got out of nursing because I was a night owl. Well, all of our friends were night owls because they were playing shows and staying out and drinking and hanging. And um, so it was perfect. So I could fit right in, but it sucked on the nights that I did work because I just had to miss out on all the fun you guys were having when I wanted to be there. (laughs) And I had to work a lot. What is it like having a structured job, like saving lives, dating Mm -hmm. a musician who has opposite day of structure? Yeah, it's, that is something Well, like I said, I think it's just the complete opposite. And that's so enticing Um, because let's be honest, in a hospital, I'm not dealing with like happy people. I'm seeing people at their worst. So um, it's nice to completely go into a different aspect, environment, culture, and just take yourself completely away from that because it's exhausting. And I don't think I realized when I first started, I was young, you know, I I was working in the ER, um, at 21. So you're in the ER at 21, Haley. Yeah. I got a nursing school and went directly into the emergency room and, um, worked night shift and then got, you know, you move your way up to day shift, but it was great because it was, it's so intense. And that's the perfect age to go into the ER. I will say that. Um, it because you have that age. I think it's the perfect age because now if I had to be in the ER now, um, and I think back because I worked with moms and, you know, our women that were having kids at that time and how they did that, I literally wish I could go back to every single one of them and just give them the biggest hug and be like, if I was ever a jerk or, you know, complete, like just didn't realize how hard this job is, plus being a mom, please let me bow down to you now because I'm not there and it's hard. And, but yeah, at that age, you're young. You love the adrenaline. You love being pushed. You know, you can go on coffee and a donut and for 12 hours and you're all right. So and I learned so much there. I mean, you see everything. I tell people you see everything from the womb to the tomb. Womb to the tomb. How do you process that? Because like you must have to, do you have to have a certain personality to be a nurse in the ER? Because I feel like I am just a constant emotional wreck all the time. And I internalize everything I see and I cannot shake it. I can't get over it. Like, how do you handle that? And how do you like block things in your life so you can like not carry things around with you and like let it, you know, seep into your, your life that you're building, you know, so you can enjoy it. Cause I feel like some things are hard to see that you can't ever unsee. Absolutely. I mean, I think another, you know, Another thing back, I say back then, that sounds so um, like, old and I'm 40. not. We're almost 40, so it is back then. I'm like, how is this possible? 
Yeah, but it did. I don't think I really realized um, how much it did affect me. You totally compartmentalize. Um, there's not a nurse out there that doesn't compartmentalize because you see so many things um, and you see so many horrible things that you literally have to, because especially in the ER, it is a revolving door. It does not stop you. So you just pronounce you're somebody the worst, and put them in the body. You're the most emergency situations that are happening and it is like seconds matter. Absolutely. So you're doing that and you've got that person sounds more like you put them in a body bag, but then you've got three other patients that you've got to take care of. And one of them may be, you know, a three-year-old kid that's, you know, their mom's worried. It's 3 a.m. They're here because their child's had a fever all day. It's Sunday. She's got to go to work tomorrow. She's stressed. She doesn't know what else to do. Nothing's open. She's tried to like put up with it all weekend long. And so here she is and you're walking there trying to be this happy face at 3 a.m. for this mom who's, you know, just totally lost. She's just like, please just help me. They've probably been waiting for three hours because it's the ER. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of things that you have to compartmentalize to just move through and navigate. And I think the good thing of where we are getting, hopefully with mental health and awareness is I believe that they're putting more priority. I really hope so into debriefing situations where they will bring you in and they'll bring in such a counselor to talk about when there are those very traumatic situations. Um, because there's things that happen that you can't even, you really can't even make up or hypothesize. So yeah, they're trying to do that more. And I think big universities do a lot more of that with debriefing with their staff so that you can talk about it and kind of relive that and work and have coping skills because you definitely need it. But I don't think I really, I just stuffed, 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 stuffed. And what happens when you stuff, stuff, stuff? Because like, I, well, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> does it like, how does it come out eventually? Right. So, um, I would say in my twenties, I was, um, definitely a little more wild. I went through some things, you know, I lost my father at a young age. Um, and I think I just stuffed myself in work because also in the hospital, you can work overtime, you can get all the hours you want. So you kind of just go into like this, I'm just going to work more and stuff it. And then just, you just become numb. So usually let me just speak on the behalf of all ER nurses, ICU nurses, you go in and they look like they're just numb. It's because they are, and it's not because they don't care about you. They do. And they know exactly what to do. And they know sick and not sick. And as much as you feel like that toenail, that you know, you stepped on a nail and it still hurt and you two days later is the worst ever and you need to get back there now. I promise you though, these, these nurses are, they're so, they see it all day long. So, um, you know, so you go through a lot and you start to learn that, okay, I do need to start figuring these things out. And so that's, you know, therapy is a wonderful thing and it has been such a turning point for me. I think after losing my dad, um, I realized, you know, I tried to get on, I got on medicine for a little bit to help that. And that helped me get out of just the fact of just feeling suppressive. Like I wasn't comfortable with those emotions um, because it was so much emotion. Um, plus I think working in the ER, seeing all those things, like the moment you finally do break through that, then it was just like, I couldn't stop crying. So I got on medicine for a little while. And then once I felt good and comfortable, I was able to come off of that and start therapy and, that's the turning point. That's the clearly what you need. Is the turning point for you? Oh, absolutely. I, mean, I feel like a lot of people are scared to do therapy because I've gone to therapy 
a lot. And I, when I first started going, my therapist was like, people are afraid to come to therapy because they would actually rather die a lot of the times than like look at what is in their mind that's plaguing yeah. them. And yeah. I get that. It's all sorts of stuff that like keeps you down and you'd rather just keep moving and stuffing and yeah, avoiding yeah. Because you're like, I do not want to deal with this. This is painful. And, and once I crack this open, oh, my God, where are we going to go? You know? Yeah, exactly. It takes a lot I of think. work. It takes a lot oh, of work. Oh, it's so much work. But it's I want so to ask you, though, as someone who's done it, getting to the yeah. other side, and obviously you, we always have to work on ourselves, like making that breakthrough. Yes. Like how long did that take you? And why would you recommend sticking it out for someone who is listening, who is like so afraid to take that plunge but knows that they need it? Yeah. Oh, I think it's hard to open up and feel comfortable because um, it can take a couple of therapists maybe to feel that comfortable. And when you're not comfortable talking about those emotions and you don't want to relive them, you just want the person to, or you guys to just connect and it'd be it. Um, but I realized quickly that that maybe wasn't the thing. Not that they weren't, not that that therapist was bad. It just wasn't what was working with me. It wasn't a match. And so you just have to keep trying. And I think for me, it's like someone uh, like mental health, we need to think about as someone with gets a diagnosis of a diabetic, that's a type two diabetic and they have to be on insulin. Like it's something you, you live with every single day. Um, and so when you've had things happen and you're aware of it and you want to make a change, then that's something you have to work out every single day because it's not going to go anywhere. And I really don't like to put people in a box of, Oh, yeah. some people love to be labeled of, um, I have depression, I have anxiety, I have this, I have that. And if that works for you and you're comfortable with that, that's wonderful for me. Um, I hate labels. I just want to work through things and get better coping. That's like, even with my health, like I am such a, I love alternative therapies. Um, because I want, I'm always that person that wants to know the reason why give me the, the deeper layer. Well, why is this happening? That's why I went into medicine. That's why I went into my profession. It's because I always wanted the. I was always wanting the question why. And so I'm just like, okay, sure. Give me that. I was never okay with that. Um, so for me getting to the other side of that was so hard to connect. Like I said, I think it took me three therapists to get to finally where I felt, oh, I'm connecting. And, um, a lot of hours with grief training, um, I had grief to go through training. that. What is um, grief training? I, yeah. So and grief therapy, I guess I should say, because I didn't realize because I feel like our generation, like our parents, they, they didn't have this much awareness, you know, they didn't talk about this. Absolutely. So they didn't get to tell us like, Hey, this is what you're going through. And I want you to know, this is normal. And this may help you to do this. They were so more like, I don't want to deal with it either. Probably because like that it's, you're right. It, the, the resources and tools weren't as available and it wasn't as like accepted to talk about these things. Absolutely. It was very taboo. Like, Oh, if you have that, then, you know, and especially for women, I think, um, especially, yeah, women you know, are just moms. supposed to like have it all together. Like a mom just has to have everything together and everything's fine. Oh, it's so fine. But and it's not, you know, don't be fine. emotional. Yeah. Or if we're, we're too emotional, so you can't be emotional. And you know, when actually that's our superpower. So yeah, I think for anyone that's struggling, just know you have to stick with it and it's going to take more than a couple of sessions and it's hard. But then when you get to the other side and you feel it's more about them, you can talk to your friends and you can read all the books you want to read. It is about being that one-on-one -on -one with that person that can look at you specifically and give you the tools that work for your personality. You know, for me, it was, 
you know, I like structure and I have always grown up with a competitive nature and kind of exercise. And that's my therapy. Like I, that's something that works really well with my body and my mind is exercise. And that's something I have to have almost as a daily functioning for me, just as if someone had to take insulin. Um, it's not so much as it just really helps with my endorphins and serotonin. So it's knowing that and or knowing how to say, Hey, when you feel this way, this is why. And then you may even need deeper therapies that are trained professionals that take you through kind of like my grief. When I went to that, that was a wonderful breakthrough. They did a lot of different um, scenarios that helped talk to me through the places I was having a really hard time navigating on my own, but I had no idea. Caroline. I had no idea that that was what was going on. So like anyone I just say blocking you. Yeah. That was just blocking me. And then it, it creates anger and resentment and you can't be happy. And or just sadness too, that I didn't realize what I thought I was fine. I was like, I mean, I'm sad. It's happened, but I didn't realize that sadness. Had, your dad had passed. Yeah. That when my dad passed, I was, you know, young, I was 25. So you were 20. And it was yeah. So it was like right during the time of just like, you're just really deep in your first career and feeling like an adult and independent and on your own. And then that kind of hits you. And I was very close with my dad. Um, we were best friends. So, and it's funny, my dad was a musician, a singer songwriter. So here's the funny story to this. Uh, Tell me a little bit about your dad and y'all's relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. So he's, um, I'm so much like my dad. So I have an older brother and he's still, he, him and my mom are best friends, but me and my dad, we were the ones that connected. It was just that, you know, father, daughter, best bud thing. Um, so, so I'm sure Michael fills that with little Sonny. So I love it. But anyway, so he was a singer songwriter, but when he had his family, he started his family. Of course he had to get a real job and provide. So that's when we moved. Well, he started working for a factory, um, which is a GM general motors and he was part of the union and, you know, really worked himself up into more of a leader role, administrative role. And then we moved down here with the Spring Hill plant when they opened Saturn. So that's what brought me to Tennessee. Okay. So you're and he job. You as my dad's job. And so we moved down to Linville, Tennessee, this little tiny, tiny country town. It was so precious. It is still so precious. But um, we had a little farm with horses. And so I just lived the life, the dream life as a kid on that farm. I, I literally can't believe the life I lived. I mean, what did you it's do not that we had day? like a ton of money, but we had horses. I rode horses every single day. Like, you know, it was like, I rode horses. I went to this small little public school. It was a K through 12 school, graduated with 98 people. Um, did you love growing up in a small town? You know, I, I didn't know any different. So for me, of course, I always thought it was so funny because I would think of, I would get friends outside of my little small country school and I would look at them and like, oh, they're so cool. And like, they live in Columbia. <laughs> and that's still small town. It's still so small. And Nashville, I used to go up to Nashville to Lipscomb University in the summertime to their basketball camps because I played basketball. And I just remember thinking Nashville was like, it was huge. These girls were so much more mature. They were just more like clicky. And here I was like, hey, y'all, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm are y'all just friends? <laughs> Linville.
America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What do you, but what do you think those core values are that you learned being from such a small town? And then there's something um, you tell about your dad that I totally segue, so you've got to work your way back to it. I do have to work my way back to it, but like growing up in a small town, you just, it's very humbling that I feel like you just lose any sense of entitlement. You know, I feel- Why is that? The ego just, I just feel like there's not this level, there's not a lot of levels of socioeconomics there. You know, like in the big town, you see, maybe this lower income, middle class and higher. You don't see that there. We are all the same as it should be. And so like for me, I didn't recognize any of that. You know, we had, you know, my best friend, they had nothing. And, but I love being with them and we, you know, at their place, which, and I didn't know any different then. But now looking back and I'm like, wow, they probably really struggled then as I've been older, but we had so much fun. I loved being at her house and we just, had a great time and whatever, you know, but here you definitely see that. So I feel like growing in a small town, I just, I, I don't know, it's just, I don't know, it was humbling, but yeah, I didn't know it was humbling. I just had, I was friends with everyone. Everyone helped everyone out. It was you had the definitely different. Childhood. It really was like now that I'm older and look back on it. And I say it all the time. People say, people wouldn't realize or even believe some of the stories that I have of like me waking up at 6am and going and sat on my horse and riding with my 
neighbor, literally just on our land. And we had this little creek that we would go down to and we called it Fern Gully and we would be there all day long. And like, we didn't have cell phones. I have a pager. I didn't have anything. And I was on a huge horse. Like, and your parents <laughs> just let like, you go? How old were you? They just let me go. I mean, they just trusted that I knew what I was doing. It's crazy. How old were but, you when you were doing this? Um, so I was probably, that's what I was saying to my brother. I think that I think I was like probably nine, ten. Did you just saddle on a horse and go ride? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I was that's amazing, Haley. I know. It's crazy. But Anyways, back to my, but my dad taught me all that. He also grew up with horses. And so that's what he wanted. That was his dream is he wanted to move to Nashville or somewhere near Nashville, play music, have horses. Um, so that was his that, dream. Country music. Is that what he played? Yes. He did. Okay. But, he's country, but he also had the roots of like the Eagles and. Okay. Um, oh, oh, so, oh, you didn't, the apple didn't fall far from the tree with old Ricky no, Young there. For your husband. Telling you, it's crazy. Caroline, like. <laughs> It's ridiculous. I mean, and oh my God. I'm, so it's so funny. But yes, yeah, so my dad came down here to play music, but he ended up working, having a really great job. He would play on the weekends um, with his buddies, but it never led into anything. But so I was always around music. So when I got out of college and I was going to Nashville, because I went to college in Lebanon, Tennessee, which is about 30 minutes east of Nashville. And, um, we know we would come to Nashville to hang out and of course you go and watch shows. And so that's when I got into this whole music scene. And then that's how I met Ricky, my husband, now husband, um, going to another show, but it's funny because my dad's name is Ricky. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, I know. <laughs> and so I remember calling my mom after I met Ricky the first time I was like, mom, I was like, you're never going to believe this. So she's like, what? Uh, what have you gotten into now? And I was like, well, I met this guy. Um, he's great. He's super fun. Uh, and uh, his name is Ricky. She's like, what? And she's like, and he plays music. And he's a lead singer. And he's like, an eagle's tone and a little rock and roll. <laughs> and she was like, run, sissy, run. <laughs> Were your parents like, stay married? Or had they divorced? Yes, they were married. They stayed married. Yep. And my dad actually got to see Ricky play a couple so times. He got to meet Ricky. And did um, they hit it off? Oh, yeah. He was super impressed. And, like, Ricky loves to tell the story about coming down to my house. And, like, my dad, of course, had a million guitars. Because as a musician, that's what you do is you just... Collect guitars. Collect. That's just a hobby. And so my dad had never really... Well, he'd, I'd never dated any guy that played music or cared anything about it. So when Ricky came home and he knew that he played, he was like taking out all of his guitars, of course, and going through all the stories of this and that. And it was just a really sweet memory that Ricky like really cherishes because he got to experience that and hear all the stories behind the guitars, as you know. So, and that means um, so much to you. I'm sure that your dad had this chance to really connect yes. with Ricky and, and that on yes. such a level. Oh, it was, it is, it's the most, it's, it's the best. I mean, you know, that's what you want is you want that relationship between your husband and your father, you know, but the fact that I just feel like that was a special, that was just a God thing and a God wink of just like, I'm going to give you this and this is going to be something that will nurture your heart, you know, that you'll be able to take because he was, he got to express that. And that was, I just remember my dad lighting up, like having my dad sit there and talk about that and seeing him light up about it and laugh and 
that felt good, as you know, bringing this guy that you're just like infatuated with and that your dad feels that same type of love and connection. It was, it was special. So, and I have to yes. say, Ricky, he's still like the coolest, but like <laughs> in the young, in our days and we were, none of us were married and we were running wild in Nashville and the, in this little music scene, Ricky was so cool. I mean, like, and he's just got swag, you know, I mean, he's so cool. And his voice is so great. Oh, he was always one of those like undercover, like hot, hot artists in Nashville, you know, because there's this whole scene of people who hadn't really gotten signed yet or really gotten discovered, but they were like everyone in the scene knew like, oh, 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 this guy, this girl, you know, whatever can say. Ricky was always that guy, just like swag and cool and. Oh, girl, you were, he would, he's going to love it. Oh! <laughs> he's going to be like, okay, yes. I mean, did you not um, think so? Because I remember, you cracked me up with your uh, Insta stories now. You did this TikTok the other day. <laughs> it's like, it was like, your man, he leave his, like, I don't even know what it was. What, what did the TikTok say? It was about, it was one that I had gotten off of, it was off of Drake White, but then he got erased. And so I was like, I spent so much time on that TikTok, but it was about, Talking about like, look at your man. That one was like, look yes. at is this one? Look at the screen, and he's like doing this weird dance. And then okay. I was like, that's mine. That's I'm mine. Gonna, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay with him. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick by his side. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay, stay with him. <laughs> that was so funny because now I've been married. Now. No, he is so cool. That's what I mean. Like that was I didn't know the person I met him that he was a musician. I knew his name was Ricky, and he was super just like fun and you know quick like that. He had that same like he was very charismatic, personable. Funny. Um, I didn't learn until a couple dates later that he played music, and I was like, "Oh God!" <laughs> because I always thought he was hot already, and then that on top of it, are you kidding me? Like, oh, heart and then he's so good, <laughs> and he's and then you hear him play, and I was like, "Oh, he's gonna suck!" And then I was like, "Oh my God!" <laughs> so... Don't you think that you have to love your husband's music, or else you couldn't really be happily married? Oh yeah, no. I, I wouldn't. Here's the thing: I wouldn't be able to like put up with what you have to put up. I'd be like, honey, yeah. I love you, but, but like you actually are terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. Like all these things. Like you, you, you want me to get on board with all this work and sacrifice that you're gonna have to do and this broken heart dream that you're living. But like that's gonna like be wonderful. You're gonna have these high highs and these like really low lows, and we're all gonna be on this roller coaster together. It's gonna be wild. But actually, I can't do this with you because your music is terrible. Yeah, oh, I you can't, you can't feel that way. You can't. You're oh, right. no, you, you can't, can't do it. No, we wouldn't be doing that. I'd be like, okay, I love you, but it's time to let's let's go in another direction here. We're gonna. We so always side. known that Ricky had something. Oh man, yeah, he's. I mean, like you know, it's when you see talent like that, and and I'm. I, I know, of course, I. I no, but I, him, but I agree with you. And it's just the way he could write, you know, he's such a great writer too, but his, his, his voice is just, it's perfection. And it's just gotten better. I feel like every year it's crazy. Um, you know, even coming out of COVID, I really thought that was hard, you know, and the pandemic and shutting down everything, it's still hard on our musicians and just their livelihood. And, you know, it's been such a struggle with everything um, for them to stay positive and to stay you know, because everything crumbled, literally crumbled. everything. Musicians were off the oh road for like a year and a half. They're just not yeah. back. Yeah, I mean, just a lot of things went bad. And so for them to come out and him still just have that fire and, you know, that's something that I really, um, 
it's just, it's for me, I was like, that's amazing. So that, you know, that's a passion when you can come out of that and still have that fire to start all over and start, they're kind of starting from the, just feeling like the beginnings when they've been doing this now for almost, I don't know, seven, 10 years or something, but yeah, it's, he's great. What he does is great. He's great at what he does. And um, how do you stay passionate he, about it as a wife? Because I feel like that's the other side because like, you know, like you can know you have the greatest husband in the world, but like sometimes you just like, it's just like too much. It's like, I just like, you know, it's like, how do you handle it? Mm, it's so hard. It's, and it's only gets harder once you become a mom Yeah, <laughs> and you have to do this on your own. Cause before it was like, yeah, go, you know what? Gives me some time. You go yes. have your time. Yes. I'm going to do me. I have a great community of girlfriends and we love to be social. I live in Nashville. There's, it's not, I'm not bored on things to do. Um, but when you become a mom and then they go on the road. So that's another, for me, like COVID sucks. It's the worst and it has tormented so many people. But for me, we had a lot of bright sides of him being home during some really tough years. I feel like with a toddler, um, he got to be home and help. And although that took a whole other level of us transitioning and learning right. our roles <laughs> in the home. How do you um, do that? Uh, that's a lot of uh, therapy. Would he go to therapy with you? Oh, yes. We go to couples so therapy. Go to therapy. Okay, so Michael and I just started going to couples therapy. I mean, I don't oh, know that I've announced this to everyone, but I'm like, it is like really important to do this as a couple, just to like tune up. I mean, you tune up everything else. Why would you not tune up your relationship just to check in with a professional? Oh, absolutely. And then so they much has happened in everyone's life. Like, like, even like, I don't even know if you even started unpacking like the death of your dad there because Michael's dad passed away. And like, it's like, sometimes like you said, you stuff, stuff, stuff. And it's like, you just got to like get to a place where you can say what, how is all this affecting everything? Absolutely. And you don't know as the person who holds that grief, you want to say that it's fine. And like, no, you don't want that to ever be the reason that's making maybe your personality be not easy to get along with. Um, also when that's what you have to look at because that's hard. And it never gets easier. Um, it doesn't get easier because that person was so prominent in your life. But it gets softer on how you translate that in your relationships. And that's where couples therapy really brought that around. Because Ricky didn't want to make me sad or bring up this thing that could be emotional. So, But I think also letting me know that sometimes I need him to ask me those questions. Or sometimes I need him to maybe let me maybe entice that conversation a little bit more so I can be soft. And that's where there's couples therapy for that because he just didn't want to bother me. He wanted to be like, okay, she's tough. She's stoic. Like I'm one of person that's like, just let me get it done. Let me do things very much in control. And so when something like that, he just doesn't want me to feel out of control because then I could become more. So couples therapy helped that for him to learn skills and for me to feel comfortable talking to him about that because there's also a place where I don't want to make him sad if he's having a good day maybe something touched me wrong that brought up these huge deep memories and I don't want to be like oh I'm so, so sad it's like you can talk about it and it doesn't have to like bring your whole day back it doesn't have to set you back you know it's like one of those things that now that's you know, a breakthrough um, that's a breakthrough when you can get to the point where you can talk about something so painful and that has caused so much grief but it doesn't have to ruin your day no. And you can just be like, yeah, that was tough. But like, 
I'm looking at that and, you know, it's fine. It's kind of like a stream. There's going to be little hiccups in the stream. There's going to be places where it's really clear and shiny and the sun shines off of it and it's beautiful when you look back on those memories. And there's just ones that kind of give you a hiccup, but guess what? It still moves. So you just kind of move with it and just know that, okay, I can be in that, but it doesn't have to take my whole day. Whereas before therapy and understanding these coping skills, I might've gotten stuck in that and thought, oh, I've got to be sad all day long because I mean, it's, you know what I mean? Like it's my dad. Like That's so true. Like you think I have to be sad because that, that huge feeling hit you. It's real. And how can you allow yourself to let go of that feeling? And it's like you obsess about it because it's, huge. Yeah. Oh, it's huge. How so, do you let yourself know I can let go of this massive feeling that feels sad because I feel like I don't deserve to have any other feelings because this one's mm-hmm. so overwhelming, you know? Right. That's a good, like, that's a good way to put it is I, I don't deserve like, but you do. I think we get in that when we get to all this guilt of like, <sighs> I if I'd be happy that I'm not mourning or I'm not giving that it's justice. But that is where that's wrong. You know, you just have to say, no, this was, it was, this was this, and this hurts for a moment, but I have so many beautiful memories and I have so much good to take away from this. And I'm going to go enjoy my day with my husband and we're going to go have fun and we're going to do silly things. And I'm going to maybe tell him about it. Be like, who I, and that's one thing I've gotten better is maybe tell him like, I had a moment this morning, like that touched me really weird. I'm just, I had, I had a moment, but I'm moving past it and I'm ready for us to be on our day. And he's like, okay. He's like, do you want to talk about it anymore? And I'm like, no, I'm good. I just want you to know that like that was touchy and but I'm good. Like, let's just go and let's do this now. And then you can express it and then you can move on for the day. And then you move on. I think allowing yourself, like saying, I don't have to feel this guilt. It's okay for me to enjoy my life. It's okay to go on. It's okay that this was a hard day. And some days are harder than others, but it's just, you know, knowing that, giving it its moment, crying a little bit, and then being like, all right, Let's move on. I've got a life to live and that's what I'm here for. And that's what God has me here for is to live life and to have it fulfilled and to be happy and to be joyful and to be have the things I want. And I'm not saying that's easy to do. And I'm not saying every time I'm like, Oh yeah, let's go parade around town. There's some days it just doesn't, I can't shake it. And it's a bad day. Um, but a lot of the help has come from just understanding how to cope with those feelings and understanding it. We don't know how to understand it. If you not grown up with a therapist or a psychologist or a psychiatrist as your family member, I'm going to guarantee you that our generation didn't grow up with someone that was welcoming to all these feelings. So and it's not our parents' fault. That's one thing I tell my mom all the time. She's like, I wish I wouldn't. I was like, you had no idea. I was like, I'm barely making it and I have everything at the fingertips of my phone. So are you kidding me? Like you did an amazing job. Yes. Um, and I just think but that's where we know we have those tools and we can use them. And it doesn't mean that you're weak. It doesn't mean that you don't have it together. It's just how can I cope better for me and my spouse. And you have to want it too. You have to want that. And I was at a place I wanted that. I was aware that it was affecting me and affecting my relationships. And I wanted to be better. writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. 
We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think something that's so cool about Nashville and the country music industry too is like so many people in Nashville want to better themselves and so many friends love to be involved with therapy and their spouses do too and they make it a cool thing and people aren't scared to talk about it and it's becoming like it's such a it's like a it's like a honestly I feel it's becoming like the thing you want like it's something to aspire to to be like okay I want to get I want to work on my mental health I, it's not shameful it's it's nothing to make you feel like you were saying earlier weak or less than it's like okay this is actually bent going to benefit me tremendously to give me these tools to cope and we all need them like we all need them no matter how many like you said no matter how many self-help books or like uh, how many friends you can talk to like, just to have someone that you can connect with who has tools to give you and maybe you can get them in self-help books I mean you, you can but I think there is something so important about checking in with therapy every now and then at least I'm happy to hear that I'm happy to and that you know as a medical professional you know I want that I feel like I get so in my box that I hope that that's what people are doing and I I'm, I, I also get that same feeling and that our culture is very open to that. Um, and there's so many affordable things for that now. Like, I think that's, that's the beautiful thing about it is 
we have learned that this wasn't people that maybe didn't want to do it. They just couldn't afford it. And so now we have, there's so many tools, especially for musicians now, um, to really help. And I think that's the one thing great about Nashville is that they have put a lot of time and effort into making this more available because it's needed. Our life, the musician lifestyle as glamorous and as beautiful as it looks to the out, outstanding people, it's really hard. And there's a lot, not that other people's lives aren't hard too. You know, that's one thing I get into a lot about it. And I think with us, cause I work a very structured, a very healthcare, it's very black and white. Um, there's no pats on the back. And I have a husband who literally his job, he works, you know, for an hour and people love to come talk to him afterwards and pet. And it's just constant, you know, great. Yeah. Like you did awesome. And all these, these beautiful just accolades to him. I'm just like, wow, I wish I got that after a 12 hour shift and what I just did. I'm actually saving lives and like dealing with trauma and really hard stuff. And you know, but dogs. Right. You know, y'all, what's going on? But I mean, that's the choice and those are the, our passions. But, you know, I think a lot of, but they have their struggles too. And it's, uh, it's unreal. And just the level of what they have to go through and turning that on and being that person. And I've learned a lot in therapy just by that. And because I just was an outstander and person that had this job that I didn't understand how difficult that was for him sometimes in that transition and just how that can be really hard too. And I have to give that um, what it is and not try to like downgrade or minimize it because it's so easy because it's, it's hard, you know, to then come into a family life and his passion was ripped out from underneath him. That's the craziest thing ever. Who would have thought that concerts would go away? And, but here we are. Thankfully it's going back, but you know, his passion, he couldn't do it. He couldn't feel what made him feel alive. Whereas when I go in and treat and diagnose that I feel good. That makes me feel good. I've given you a plan. I've diagnosed you. We're getting to something. Um, so yeah, I can, and that's what keeps us great too and healthy. So musicians need it just as much as we do. They're not on this pedestal and you know, life doesn't touch them. It's, yes, it's hard to people think that so many people think, Oh, a musician's life or an artist or an entertainer's life or someone in a spotlight. They just haven't made like, it's so easy, but sometimes like the stress and the pressure is like overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just how much it can be. That also can be just taken out from under you, not in no time too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. It's been crazy, but you know, other than that, it's, it's been good, but that's helped us therapy. I can't speak enough about it. That's helped us as a couple. It's helped us individually. And, um, I am such a huge advocate for anyone struggling with anything to just find that Avenue, do the work, research it, get in however you can. And I guarantee if you stick with it, give it, it's not going to change overnight. It's not like taking an ibuprofen for a headache, you know, it's (laughs) going to take some work, but it's, you're going to be so happy you did it. So what would you say is your secret to marriage with Ricky? And going through all of these life changes that you've gone through, like y'all met when you're super young, Mm -hmm. he's dealt with the loss of your father, like you, him a musician, you with your intense job and and as an ER nurse and a nurse and now having a child together and being on the road, like that's a lot coming at you in your marriage, you know? Yeah. And I went back to school and got my master's and so now I'm a nurse practitioner and that's a whole nother level of just like. It was great. It was another level where I wanted to reach on education, but it's another level of stress. That Do you deliver babies ever? No, no. 
I actually did that as an ER nurse, not on, it was not planned, but those that come in and they're just like, I'm about to deliver. And you're like, yes, you are. Oh my <laughs> so, gosh. So you just have to deliver a baby and you're totally not prepared. No, well, of course you're prepared. You're in the ER. So you have ancillary staff and plenty of people, but so I'm telling you, it's from the womb to the tomb. I'm doing it all in the ER. It's the most fascinating job ever. I loved it. You sure had a um, book about but, being an ER nurse. I'm sure there's plenty out there. I mean, yeah, if you ever need some good stories or a good person to party with, go out in the ER nurse because they're ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> they need to let them. Um, yeah, they're ready to let it go and just get out of the town and forget everything. So um I don't know. What was your question? Oh, I have the secret. I don't know. We have a secret. We, we, um, we have a lot of trial and just trial and error. Um, a lot of grace, a lot of, um, him listening to me complain right now. I feel like, (laughs) um, you know, like I said, that whole motherhood and that transition and then me working full time, and now him gearing back on the road, like I just got so accustomed to his help here. And he, I would listen to him on these interviews he would do during COVID. And he's like, yeah, I know my wife is ready for me to get back on the road. And I would be like, I'm not, I'm not at all. I'm not, I'm not at all. Stop saying that. I was like, you're here to help me. These tantrums are intense with this three-year-old, like, oh my gosh, the potty training and me working full time. I am so happy to have you home. Um, what did you do? Like, what do you do when he's not home to do that? Oh, you have her in school. Like she's in school. She goes, she's in school. So she's in school from eight to three 30. And then I get her, um, my job, I'm able to go and get her. Um, I still have to come home and do some charting, but, um, I'm able to get her. They're flexible with me because I work Monday through Friday too. And then some on the weekends, um, crazy. But, uh, yeah. So when we get home, it's just, I'm exhausted and she's usually exhausted, but we just kind of get in our little routine. You know, we get a routine, we have our dinner, we do our bath, we do our bedtime routine that takes forever now. Now she does not want to go to sleep. Yeah. Now she doesn't want to sleep and they wake up in the middle of the night too. At four, some don't, if you have one of those children, you know, I sleep trained my child at a young age and thought I'm going to have this kid that just goes right to bed at seven and sleeps through the night and then wakes up at seven well, that all changed. <laughs> so, when she was an infant, it was great. It was just like, yeah. Oh, the, gosh, you know, so they go back. Do you ever, don't. Do you ever struggle with mom guilt, like being a working mom? Because I know a lot of moms feel that way. It's like. All the time. You, you spend, all the time. It's, you it's, want to raise your daughter to like follow her dreams and do her passion and work and do all that. But then it's like when you have a kid, all of a sudden the mom guilt is real, right? Oh, absolutely. You've got a job and you have to do it. And that's what you worked really hard for in your career. But so you have this whole, like, I did this. This is my passion. She's going to see me doing my passion. And I really try to make our time together just the best it can be. You know, like I try to like take her to some places and just when I'm here, we're present and we're together. Um, she's having a hard time. She wants me now, but <laughs> um, but yeah, it's hard. I have a lot of mom. You know, I have a lot of mom guilt, but I have to work through that because there's there's no place for that. There, you don't have time for that. You you don't have time, and that would drain me and make me more. I, I think it just build more resentment in my marriage and in my job, and I can't do that. So um, is Ricky and uh, Dylan here? Yeah, they're here. Come have, here Dylan. Come join. Have Ricky come join. I want to ask Ricky a question about you. Come here. 
No, she's, she's okay. Yeah. We're about to wrap up anyway, so we're gonna end. This will be really fun. Come here, it's okay. Come look, I'm Mommy Scott on this little show, and I've got Miss Caroline. She wants to see you. Come here, it's okay. Are you sad now? Oh, you want me to come in there? Okay, I'll go. Come here. You want to show me your dress? Okay, I'll be there in just a minute. <laughs> I did the same thing. Look, she's on here. Do you want to see? Hi, hi, Dylan. You've got to come play with Sunny. She's sleeping. Sunny's already sleeping. But yeah, so the mom go. You don't have you don't have a place for that. You just got to do what you got to do, and they'll know it. She knows I love her. I know when we are home and together, like we're best buds. I had a lot of mom go. I think when it first when I first put her in school because she went to school eighteen months, and I was just oh heartbreaking. You know, dropping. You're you're like walking away. There's so many days I just cried. Um, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> so you just have to get in a place with peace about it. And then your time together. And then you just sit when you go to pick them up and you see them thriving and playing and so happy. And then they like see you and they just kind of wave. And that's what it takes. It takes you seeing that like, Oh, they are so happy and they are having a great time. And they're here with a bunch of friends. Um, but then that makes it softer and easier, but the mom guilt's real. I think even moms, even when you stay at home, mom, I'm sure there's some type of guilt you feel, right? I mean, yeah, I think for sure. I, I definitely think that you can't escape it, you know? And no. then, like, now Sunny's getting, she's turning two, and we're getting to the point where we need to, like, start really disciplining and learning how to share. And, you know, like, that's whole, it's hard to, like, navigate all these big feelings. And, oh, my mm. God, it's the best. But it's also, like, oh, my God, how do you do this? And that's the thing, as I told Ricky, we talk all the time about it because we get frustrated with each other because of course that's, you both care so much about this tiny individual and she will just, not on purpose, but it just wrecks both of you. And you're like, well, you should do it this way. And you're like, well, this is how I handle it. And I'm like, that's why she's doing this. So like, you really have to get onto this level of just realizing that we're both doing the best we can and there's got to be boundaries. I think talking about that and what your set expectations, because we both don't have the tools in our toolkit to be these parents that maybe you listen to on these podcasts about this is how you should handle this. And so oh, of course me you either. <laughs> so you get all these things in your head of how it should be. Right. And you're like, okay, this is how we're supposed to talk to our child and do this. And this is respectful parenting. And so we shouldn't do that. But then when that goes, hey, why are you like, okay, so now what do we do? Can we rewind back to the podcast? What's the next step? And they don't tell you. So you just have to realize that, hey, we're doing the best we can. We are aware parents. We do have a lot of information. And I think the fact that I tell parents when we talk about this, especially if they have younger kids, any mom, I'm like, if you're already asking the questions and if you're concerned that you're doing it right, you're doing it right. Because that's what it takes. Yes. I know it's a lot. I know. Cause like Sunny, right now she doesn't want to share. And sometimes she thinks hitting is funny a little bit, but she doesn't know. And I'm like, Oh yeah. my God. Just let yourself for us. I went, we went through that and we still go through that at four, Ben, I'm not no ex, I'm no expert parent, but I think also it helps when you hang out with moms that are kind of like-minded I really enjoyed the conversations with those moms when we would hang out and I would say, Hey, you know, I think we're having a hard time with this. And a lot of moms you'll find like, it's okay. They're going to figure it out. Like when it gets there, like those, those are the moms that I, and I feel like all moms 
are like that, especially in my circle, we're kind of like, we just let them figure it out. You know, of course you don't let them get to like a place of whatever, but it just kind of, it makes you relax and know that this mother isn't going to get mad at your little girl who doesn't know how to share it. Like we just, every child does this. There's not one child that does right. it. Right. And right. so I think if you both have that understanding and that, Hey, kids will work through this. Of course, we're not going to let them like slam each other to the ground, but we're still going to go over and not have shame to it and just work through it. And then sometimes you're going to be like, okay, Hey, stop. We're going to, I just think it's okay to give yourself grace. If in that moment you have to be like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're not going to be perfect every time, but we're going to try. I, I love that. Okay. I always wrap up with leave your light. And Haley, I just love this. I love just real talk. Haley was like, I, I texted you today. I was like, do you want to go to this podcast tonight at like eight o'clock, eight 30? <laughs> like it's so random last minute, but I operate so much better on the fly. Cause like planning too far ahead. Then like you like it's it's like stressful and Haley's like, sure. I'm like, yes, this is so me meant to be. It's meant to be today. Yeah. So I always like to end with leave your light. And basically like, what do you want people to know? Oh man, right now, hmm. <laughs> we're going to be okay. <laughs> I think there's a lot going on and I think what people need to know right now in this current climate with what's going on, um, that I think both parties are coming from a lot of fear and that's normal. We're humans. We're going to have fear on both sides. I don't even, I'm not even going to say what we're talking about because we're going to know what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we just have to see people with grace and you got as, as much as, and for me, I get in a place I've been there that I'm like, mm, I don't understand why and this kind of makes me frustrated, but I just keep thinking like, I just have to give grace because they're human. And for whatever reason, this means so much to them and that's important to them. And it's probably because of fear. Mm -hmm. And just on the other side of that with us is fear. We want them to do this because we have a fear that this won't get here. It's all based And on all I know, it's all fear. And it, what I know about fear is that's wrong. And nothing will ever good happen at fear. So just try to give grace as much as you can. Do your part and just give grace to that person. Because I think we're getting into these places of just battling. And that will get us nowhere. And name calling and this person and that. As much as that seems like the right thing to do and the easy thing to do, it's going to lead you nowhere. It's not going to, and I like to just think when I get really mad, I, I like to think of these people in a traumatic situation and the ER is right like, here. This is good. Right here. If they were in a traumatic situation, I wouldn't care what they believed. I would be helping them. And you have, and I really actually. believe that about, yes. And I feel that there's just the good in people is there. And it takes us getting to that traumatic event for us to be like, put all of our thoughts aside. As Americans, we are like the most badass people. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. So we have come together on bigger terms. And let's just put that in the back of our mind. That's all I can say. It's just right now, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked because it has been on my heart. And I have, social media has been so hard to be on because it's, it's just so, so dividing. It's so hard. Um, there's no right yeah. answer because everyone right. has such a strong opinion about everything. And it's like, and like you said, first good reasons to that person, you know, right. no matter how wrong it is to another person, like right. you know, just, 
it's such a world of opposites right now. And it's, it is. And that doesn't, that's not what, how we, that's not how we work. It's not It's weird. You know, we just went through being separated from each other for separation. It's like, let's not go and do this just over this. Like I get it. And it's hard and we're frustrated and we're tired and we're exhausted. If anyone's exhausted, I just worked a shift today. Believe me, I am so tired. And, and now I you're doing my, my podcast, Haley. You're amazing. Like, we are so tired. Like we're tired, but you know, it, there's so many people that I saw today and it's just, just to reassure them that it's okay. We're going to be okay. Like, but you know, we got these things in place that we would love for you to do. And, um, but again, you know, I understand I will respect your fear and I hope that you can realize that, that it's fear and just try to be humble and try to help another person feel good. I don't know. I love that. And just give grace because it's all about fear. Everyone's yeah. operating in fear right now. We need, yep. we need to try to it gets us nowhere. That just turned us, that just, that always leads in the, that's one thing my dad always taught me. He was like, if you're ever making a big decision and the decision feels so hard to make with what you want, that's the wrong way to go. It oh, should I be like that. leading a horse to water. It should be easy. writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. 
I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's your favorite thing about your dad? Um, my favorite thing, gosh, there's so many. He was just solid. He was so solid. I can remember as a little girl, you know, when you fall or like you're nervous about something and you get so worked up. I just remember my dad being able to like come over to me and just look me in the eyes. And there was never a situation that he was ever Okay, out of out of like nervous, out of sorts. He was just like even so when sick. you did something terrible on accident, did he? Oh, I mean, yeah, my dad was like he was the disciplinarian too. But it was more of those, and it wasn't that it wasn't needed. Me and my brother were sixteen months apart. We fought like cats and dogs. Like we, and we we had nowhere to go. We were just on forty acres of land and nothing to do but terrorize each other. So like my parents were much more not so into like the respectful parenting maybe and just like you get a little <laughs> yeah. um, yes exactly so but yeah it was his ability to calm me down at any time he always had the best advice and he always just was able to be that that calm that that steady and that calm and i just I'll, that was something that even now with dylan i I can remember that when she gets worked up and I just try to come to her like my dad did and talk to her, not try to like divert, he didn't distract. He just talked me through it and was like, it was that steady. It was that calm. It was that I don't have fear in this situation. I know you think I'm supposed to have fear here, but I don't look at me. I'm okay. I can handle this. That that's what I loved about him. So thanks for letting me talk so much about my dad. Well, it's good <laughs> to give him a tribute. You know, it's nice to, it's nice to, to, to document it and reminisce. And I just, Haley, I just have always loved your energy and you as a person. I think you're such an inspiring human. I think you oh. handle so many big situations so well. And you just have to have that steadiness to you. Like every time I'm around you, I'm like, you're just calm and steady. And I know you have all sorts of emotional things you deal with, but like you're just like steady. And it's a really beautiful trait that you have. Thank you. That's, that's the biggest compliment I can get. So I love it. And I love what you do and being a mom and doing this podcast and married to a musician. I feel the same about you, that lively enthusiasm. It's so needed and it's so wonderful. And I don't know one person that we've talked about. You're like, Oh no, we're so great. She's so great. You know? So it's good to get those compliments and also receive that. So thank you. Well, and um, I'll wrap up, but I was, I think you might know Kaylee Dickerson. She's married to Russell Dickerson. She's super awesome and sweet and inspiring. And sometimes I like like how we're talking about like the social media and all sorts of stuff. Like it's hard out there and it's like overwhelming, but she said, and this is how I feel about you. And why I'm so glad to have you on this podcast. My podcast is she was, I was like, sometimes I just like, I want to throw in the towel and like, it just, it all feels so dark and like overwhelming. And she's like, yes, but like you have to put light out there, you know, and like whatever you can, wherever you can give light when you are someone who is reaching for the light, you've got to share that. And so that's, I feel like you do that. And sometimes when I get burnt out about like having to like put myself out there on social media and all that, cause it's, it's, it's exhausting out there. And like, it's sometimes I just want to check out and not be a part of the social media world at all because the comparison and all of that, but to know that like where you can shine light and give light where you feel called to do 
we got to do that to combat the darkness. And that is encouraging to me. And you do that. Same. I feel the same about you. There's not, I mean, that's, you're exactly right. You, you have that. That's the biggest thing you can take away. It's like, yeah, my job isn't at all glorified or wonderful. Um, but there's so many times that when I go in, especially in the ER, I can just remember praying. I mean, like, please just let me be a positive to someone today. I'm going to be that person they need to hear from today. Um, you know, that's, this is what I was given. This was the, the instrument I was given and I want to use it to the best of my ability. Every time have I done that? No, I failed a lot, but, um, you're right. If you realize that there is that light and it's, there's a reason in your corner, whatever that is, whatever you think is so simple. Like we were telling the podcast, it's like me, what do you want to talk to me about? I don't, I'm just me. Like, it's just it's like, amazing. I don't feel like a special person at all, you're but you're so right. Special. It's that. Yeah. And that's everybody from, you know, the that's person everybody. that's everybody, everybody, yes, man, that I can remember taking going well before COVID like when for school and school was in, there was this traffic light lady that I would go by and I loved going by her every single day. Cause she was so happy with like stopping buses and stopping cars, but she would be so great with those kids be giving her a high five. And I was just like, you're amazing. She was enjoying like, this her is- day. She was enjoying yes. her day and enjoying her gift. And enjoying her role, her gift to make people smile. And that's the yes. thing. Like, you can be holding a stop sign in the middle of the street, but, like, you can have the best job in the world in your mind because you're finding joy in it. And you're bringing joy to people that you see in the cars. And you're bringing joy to children that you walk across the street. It's all about your perspective and how you enter your day in those circumstances. Right. It's not about the best, most fanciest yeah, that can help in monetary ways. But like, she probably blessed a kid. No time how many kids get blessed by her every day. And you know, there, that to me is, that is a superhero. That is the celebrity of the show. You know, that's, that's the big person. So yeah, it's hard and it's dark, but you just got to keep, because as many of those people are about out there to knock you down and say something bad, there's one person, there's one person that you probably affected today. If you go out with the mentality of like, I've got something to give. I love that. I've got something to give. Yes. If we could just start our day with that instead of starting our day with, oh, here it is again. I'm so pissed. I'm so annoyed. I've got to do this. This person, I hate this person for this reason. I feel bad. My, my, I got heartburn and oh my God, my head hurts. (laughs) Now like it's early. I didn't get enough sleep and oh, then I got to see my coworker. God, I hate hate seeing this person. I'm in traffic. You can go that route or you can go. I've got something to give today. And like, yes, my feet hurt, but you know what? I'm breathing. And like, I, here's my gift and here's where I can use it. I'm going to look for an opportunity to give some love. That's amazing. That's a great. Absolutely. It's not going to be, you're going to get 100% every single day of your life. But if you have the intention, that's, it's going to, there's going to, you're going to get it. Even if we get that 10% of that effect, that's better than nothing. So. Hey, yeah. you're amazing. I love you, Ten. Thank you so much for joining me on this Thank podcast. You. I love you, too. Thanks for Thank having me. Thank you for this doing this after your day of working. Oh, my God. Rockstar. Okay, go to sleep. Well, <laughs> take care, Caroline. Okay, bye, bye Haley. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. 
something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.